Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Hey there, Financially Savvy Travelers. I want to tell you about a great travel podcast called Out Travel the System from Expedia. Now in its third season, it features tips and tricks for making the most of your travel experience. After a year in our homes, many of us are eager to travel again. If you're ready to go overseas, this season includes memorable explorations of Spain, France, and Australia. However, if you'd rather stay closer to home, listen along as Out Travel the System profiles some of America's most vibrant cities like Boston, New York, and Chicago. Join host Nisreena Tassi as she speaks with people like Onika the Traveler, among others, to find out how and why they travel. Out Travel the System comes to you from Expedia. This new season is the best yet. So follow today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. Head over to podcast.thoughtcard.com forward slash Expedia to follow. Hey, financially savvy travelers, welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Did you know that the average tuition for international students in Europe is right around $7,400 per year, well below in-state and private American universities? With hundreds of options under $4,000 per year, going to college in Europe is more affordable than attending university in the United States. In this episode, Jennifer Vimont shares how you can go to college in Europe and explore the continent. Jennifer Vimont is the founder of Beyond the States, a resource that helps American families and students learn about and navigate English-taught bachelor's and master's degree programs in Europe. Her son currently attends university in Europe, and she has moved her entire family, her husband and her daughter, from North Carolina to Portugal. Now, in addition to this episode, don't forget that we're also going to be sharing an extended interview with Jennifer, where she's going to be sharing what the process was like moving to Portugal and some of her favorite attractions and activities that you do not want to miss when you visit Portugal. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. As I was mentioning before we even hit record, I just find going to college in Europe, this whole topic to be so fascinating. And it's one of those no brainers. Like we go to Europe for vacation. Why isn't it not something that is promoted out there? So when you reached out, I was so excited to learn more about the process of what it's like to go to college in Europe. So what have you found to be some of the most common reasons as to why students actually decide to go to college overseas versus America? Wow. There are so many reasons and benefits. I think the thing that first draws people in is the affordability. You noted the average price. And as for bachelor's degrees, it's comparable for master's degree programs too. The thing to note about that is that there are some expensive options that bring that average up, but there are in fact hundreds of options under 4000 a year and even around 50 or so that are tuition-free for international students. And, oh, I forgot this part, most only take three years to complete. So even if you're looking at a school with higher tuition, which in Europe is like 12000 or so, you're still saving because there's that one extra year in which you're not paying tuition 
and you're having an income. Though that's the primary reason that people start to get interested. I mean, it was the primary reason for me when I discovered this. It almost becomes a secondary benefit when people really start to dig in and realize there's this transparent admissions process. There are these, you know, life-changing opportunities, the soft skills that students get, and the ability to travel, you know, outside of COVID times, of course, the ability to travel easily and inexpensively through this, you know, kind of crucial time in their lives is incredible. And, you know, just thinking back to my story, I only discovered study abroad in college. So it wasn't something that I had planned. It wasn't something that I had thought about previously. So I love how this is actually an option for folks, even at the high school level, and you're thinking about going to college, this is an option that you can truly consider. So that to me is fascinating. And I wish, truly, I wish I could go back and I wish I had your resources to know that this was a thing for me. So this may be actually a tough question to answer. Europe is made up of so many different countries. But why do you think that colleges in Europe and universities in Europe are actually more affordable than American colleges? So there are a couple of ways to look at this. Number one is that the colleges are there to educate the students. And so A lot of the things like sports stadiums, universities owning housing, sort of administrative bloat, those things aren't there because they're they're just there to educate the student. Now, there are some exceptions. Some schools own their own housing. And even those that don't, they're still dorms. They're just privately owned. But again, the focus is on educating the student, not this mini village for the students. But the other thing is I ask students this a lot because I think a big misconception people have is that they correlate expense with quality, which just isn't the case. I mean, when you think about it, that makes no sense because you could even be looking at a public university in the U.S. and an in-state student's going to pay much less than the out-of-state student, but they're getting the same education. Anyway, sorry, that's a tangent. But I ask students a lot who I meet when I visit different universities and I meet American students, I ask them that same question. And there was one student who said, you know, I think we're asking the wrong question. I think the question we need to ask is why is so expensive in the U.S.? You know, it doesn't have to be. You know, you can kind of look at it in either one of those ways. You know, I've never thought about that, but it makes sense because I remember at my university, they made a beautiful student lounge and they made an entire building. And then the next year we saw that tuition creep up a bit. So you're paying way more than just for the education especially if you are living on campus. And a lot of college students want that. They want that full experience, that full immersion. So you end up paying for it. And a lot of us, student loans is a big issue. Yeah, so we're going to definitely dig into student loans because that is a hot topic. But we'd love to hear what has been the most popular countries that you see Americans going to college? Like what are the countries? I know I've seen Netherlands, Ireland. Would love to hear more. So the Netherlands is especially popular because they have more English taught degree programs than any other country in Europe outside of Ireland, of course, which is English speaking. So they're the most popular, not only because of that, but also because they have highly ranked universities and they have sort of two different types of education systems in which you can still get a full bachelor's or master's degree, one of which is more theoretical, the research universities and the other which is more hands-on and practical. Again, it's not like anything there is in the States. It's still a full bachelor or master's degree. It's just a different approach. 
So that one's particularly popular. We actually just added Ireland like this month. We didn't before because it's an English speaking country. And so we were focused on continental Europe, which were you know, non-English speaking. So finding and navigating the English speaking programs in non-English speaking countries can be really difficult. However, now that Brexit's happened, Ireland was the only EU country we didn't have listed. So we've added that one as well. We'll see if that one's especially popular with our members because they are more expensive in Ireland. Another city that we get a lot of members going to is Prague. And there are a couple of options there. I don't know if you've been to Prague, but it's just an incredible city. And it's so affordable, like to where I was, you know, they don't use euros. So when I go there, I'm having to do mental math to do the calculation for currency conversion. And because it's so inexpensive, I always pull out my calculator because I think my mental math must be wrong. I'm like, that can't just be $1. And it is. So we have one student at a university in Prague who is paying less than $1,000 a year for her program. And then there's also a popular private university in Prague where a lot of our members go to because it's a little bit of a softer landing, if you will. You know, while you're talking, I'm just shaking my head. $1,000 for tuition for a year. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, my gosh. And for me, and I'm sure this is common in America, like I graduated with undergrad and graduate school with 63K of debt. And that is with plenty plenty of scholarships, plenty of financial aid. And still I was in the hole and it took me so long to get out of that. Okay. This is exciting. And I'm very happy that this is an option because there are a lot of people who maybe have never heard of this before. And it's all about just knowing what's out there and now seeing if it's the right fit for you. So again, thank you for being on the show. This is very illuminating. When I have a family, this is definitely something that I'm going to be like, do you want to try this? Like, this is something to consider. All right. So what are the most common misconceptions about attending college in Europe? You mentioned English taught, which I think is a very important thing because I think a lot of folks feel like, of course, I'm not going to go to Prague for college because they don't speak English there. Right. So we'd love to hear the most common misconceptions, including foreign languages. Yeah. So let's talk about foreign languages for a minute, because sometimes a misconception is, oh, well, if it's English taught, it must just be a program full of Americans, British people, Australians. But no, the reason these English taught programs exist is to draw students from all over the world because English is, is the most common language in the world. So if you're a school in Latvia, how many people outside of Latvia speak Latvian? I don't know the stats on that, actually, but I'm sure it's a very small number. And so they wouldn't have an international student population if it weren't for having these English taught programs, which draw students from all around the world. So the great thing is you are surrounded by students. You know, your classmates are all from around the world, which is awesome because of the perspective it provides in classroom discussions. So one of the misconceptions people say is, oh, well, it's so affordable. We must be taking advantage of the system. And that's not true because what we're paying as international students is so much more than EU citizens pay. So not only are we providing more tuition for the university, but many countries have incentives around universities having these English taught programs in order to help with the economy and the labor market and all of that. So it's not taking advantage of anything. I think the other main misconception is that the degree won't be quote unquote good in the US. 
So the first thing is that that's just really outdated because we live in this globalized world. HR companies are accustomed to seeing resumes from all these different countries, and and that's not a bad thing. All of the universities that we list in our database, they're all fully accredited. We also don't take any money from schools so that we can be completely objective with our information, but they're fully accredited by the country that they're in. And then because of this whole big boring thing that I won't go into called the Bologna Declaration, there's this level of standardization between the EU countries' higher education systems. So the only reason it wouldn't be quote-unquote good in the U.S. is if you were going into a profession that requires licensure. And in that case, there are still often possibilities. My background, I used to, well, I still am a licensed clinical social worker. And there are ways with a foreign diploma to become a licensed clinical social worker in the States, but there are some extra hoops to jump through. Things like medicine are not as easy. So there are those licensure type careers to be aware of, but it does not rule anything out. Your degree is still good in the U.S., And in fact, there are studies done that show that studying abroad for longer periods of time leads not only to more job offers, but greater advancement once you're employed. Excellent. I can definitely see why that is the case. So thank you so much for sharing all of those common misconceptions, some of which I had myself. So myths debunked. All right. We talked a lot about the reasons why. So now I feel like we're on board. We're like excited. This is something that we should definitely consider. Now let's move into the admissions process. What are some of the things that listeners should be looking for when they are actually ready to pick a university? So the first thing to know, and this is really important, is that in Europe, 90% of the time, you are going to have to kind of know your major ahead of time. And that's one reason the degree programs, many of them are only three years in duration because you're kind of declaring your major from the get-go. And so if you're a chemistry major, all of your classes are going to be related to chemistry outside of your electives. You're not going to have these gen ed requirements that take up the first two years of study. So Often kids will come to me and they say, oh, I want to study in France. And I always say location comes down the road. You got to start with the quantifiables. You got to start with your budget. You have to start with your admissions requirements and you need your qualifications and you need to start with your area of study and then get to location. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that, so a student who says, I want to live in France. Well, first of all, Sometimes they've never been to France and they just have this romanticized view of what it's like. And traveling someplace and living someplace are two entirely different things. And you need to be looking for different things when you travel and live someplace. The other thing is they might say, well, I want to study in France because I speak French. Well, there are other French speaking countries, too, that if you just say France, you're disqualifying those. The other thing is France, the majority of their English taught programs are business-related programs. So if you're interested in the humanities, there's just not going to be anything for you in France for your full degree. However, most programs have a semester set aside for an internship or study abroad or minor. So you still have opportunities to do a semester abroad there, even if you can't do your full degree program. So the other thing is just to know about admissions criteria. An American high school diploma is not the equivalent of a high school diploma in some of the countries. Those are the Netherlands, Norway, Italy, and I feel Germany. So in those cases, Americans have to have sort of these extra qualifications, usually in the form of a certain number of AP scores or an IB diploma. 
It's not the case for the universities of applied science in the Netherlands. There's more practical ones I told you about, but the research universities do. So the thing to know about this, and this is really awesome, is it's not like in the U.S. where you're like, okay, I have to have 20 APs and the best SAT scores and so many extracurriculars and all these other things. It's very transparent. You know, they say, okay, you need to have these four AP scores of three or higher. And if you have them, in most cases, you're in. They don't care about whether you were on the soccer team because that doesn't relate to how you're going to do as a student. They don't care about all those other things. It's just about meeting the transparent admissions requirements. And then during your first year of study, you have to prove that you actually do have what it takes. So I like that whole idea of your career at the university being dependent on what you do as an 18-year-old freshman at the university, as opposed to what you might have done or not done as a 14-year-old freshman in high school. You know, I remember applying, I applied to like 20 colleges. I was one of those students that I wanted to try to get in as many as I can so I could have more options. And it was like a gamble. Even if you on paper looked like exactly like what they were looking for, there is a chance that you may or may not get it depending on what recommendations you had or whatever the case may be. You didn't do cheerleading or something like that. I don't know. But I love how you mentioned that in Europe, it's transparent and it's about the qualifications. And I also didn't know that there are some universities abroad that don't weigh the high school diploma in the U.S. the same way. So that's really interesting. Really, really interesting. So If you are excited and you're also like, wait, 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 what did Jennifer say? I will definitely have the transcripts for you in the show notes so that you can also read all of this amazing tips and advice that Jennifer has been sharing. We're going to start wrapping up this episode, but I have a couple of more questions for you, Jennifer. Let's talk about paying tuition, right? Even though tuition in Europe is generally less expensive than the U.S., how are students paying for this? Are there still financial aid package options? What does that look like? Well, that's one of the things that is important to look at when you're looking at schools, when you're narrowing down your list, because there aren't as many options for scholarships and such in Europe as there are in the U.S. Now, there are some countries like Finland used to be free for international students, and now it's not. So all of the Finnish universities offer scholarships, and some of them are like, kind of buy one, get one free deals, you know, like finish your first year successfully and get this huge discount the second year. But other than certain countries like that, you really can't count on getting scholarship money. So sometimes I do get students who come to me and they say, I have no savings, so I want to go to Europe. And I say very honestly, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. This is not for you if you have no savings. If for no other reason, because the first year, you have to show something called proof of means. And that's the money that you have to show up front. Sometimes it's a bank deposit. Sometimes it's actually giving the money to the school and they give it back to you when you're there, when you get there. And this is for your student residence permits because this shows them, okay, you have the money you need to live on for this first year. And then they refund the money to you and you can live on it for the first year, but you do have to have that upfront. So because it's so affordable, a lot of people end up, they do have, the savings put away for the tuition and for that first year of proof of means. And when a school has a FAFSA number, you can use your 529 money for it as well. My son goes to a school, we pay like 7,000 a year. 
And we used our 529 money for it, even though the school doesn't have a FAFSA number, because the penalties that you end up paying were so minimal, because unfortunately our earnings, you know, they only, I'm not a financial planner. We have information about this on our blogs, but they only charge you interest on the earnings, not the overall amount. So if your earnings weren't huge, then the interest you're going to pay by using a non-FAFSA school is not a huge deal. That was our case. Can you just explain what the 529 plan is? And I love how you mentioned that as an option for helping you pay. So if you, let's say, have a 529 plan, maybe your parents opened one for you or maybe was gifted to you, then you may actually have funds sitting there that you could use for this expense. So we'd love to hear more about the 529 plans. So the 529 plans, I don't know a whole lot about anymore because, you know, this is something we just opened up for our kids when they were born. You know, we're like, we're going to save for college and we weren't saving a whole lot by American standards, but we were putting money away every year for their college tuition. Now, it would not have even scratched the surface had we applied in the U.S., but it's covering their tuition and their, you know, for both of them. And my daughter is actually looking at some schools in Ireland, which are more expensive, and we're able to afford that using those savings that, again, would not have maybe covered a year in the U.S., Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Now, so we talked about admissions. We talked about paying tuition. How about working? Can students work and make an income while they're attending university abroad? So each country has different rules around this, and we have this in our database as well. I can't think of one country that doesn't allow it at all. In some, it's like you can work this many hours a week. In some, it's, you know, you can work part-time through the school year or full-time in the summer. What a lot of students do is they end up teaching English or doing online work, doing work through Upwork, different things where they can freelance and be online for their work. Excellent. Excellent. Now, you mentioned your database. I know you have a membership, you have courses, you have books. So I'd love to hear more about this amazing and important service that you provide. You know, I started Beyond the States five years ago because I was looking for this information as a parent. And there's just not any objective information out there. You can find free information if you can suss through it a lot yourself because a lot of these are sort of paid ads. Since we don't take money, I'm able to be completely honest when I visit schools and say, hey, there's some red flags here or there aren't, etc. So we have a database, a searchable database of all of the English taught masters and bachelors degree programs in EU and EAA, economic EEA <laughs> countries. So that's one of our member benefits is having access to that. We also have a great community of students and parents in a student Facebook group and just a general Facebook group that ends up being more parents and students. Members also have access to me monthly to get their questions answered. We do an office hours recording each month. We have some self-paced courses that you don't have to be a member to purchase around, you know, the whole process of choosing a university. And, you know, again, not going into it saying, I want to study in France. Well, if you're not doing that, then what do you do? And kind of taking you through that process about admissions and writing a motivation letter and jumping through the hoops or how we have one about business schools, one about the Netherlands. There's another one too that I can't think of off the top. Oh, choosing your area of study. That's the other one we have self-paced classes on. And then additionally, we have master classes, which are awesome because students get to meet each other in those two, which is great because often, you know, you might be the only kid in your class who's exploring these options, but you're not the only kid in the U.S. You're not the only kid in, you know, your state even who's exploring them. So having a community is awesome. We actually have one of our members 
is finishing his first year. And he recently did a video for me and he showed me his apartment search. And I recognized his new roommate as somebody who also took the class. So they had stayed friends and they were students in the same city and ended up rooming together, which was awesome. It made me really happy. Yeah. And then I wrote a book a few years ago. The important thing to know is that the reason we have a database is because information changes really quickly. And so there are some things in the book that have changed since then. The book's available on Amazon and all of that. But if you buy the ebook through our site, then you also get an email with those updates, things that have changed since then or things to be aware of. So I think that covers all of our services. I think I covered them. Excellent. Excellent. And I'll make sure to include the links in the show notes so you can check out Beyond the States, the membership, the book, the masterclasses, and all the other resources. And don't forget, you'll also get the transcripts to this episode as well. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing so much information about what it's like to go to college in Europe, why we should consider it. And please let everyone know how they can connect with you. And if you have any new exciting news that we should be on the lookout for as well. Yeah, you can find a ton of information at beyondthestates.com. We have blogs that we regularly update. We have a lot of our student ambassadors who are doing videos there. Like I mentioned, we just added Ireland to our offerings. And then I'm also going to be... We had I had a podcast a few years ago, and we are starting that back up. I have a lot of exciting topics planned, including an American student who plays baseball in Europe, talking about how students manage things like ADHD at universities in Europe. So yeah, a lot of exciting content planned there. Excellent. Excellent. Now, financially savvy travelers, don't forget that we also are going to have an extended interview with Jennifer waiting for you when you join the Thought Card Club, where we're going to be talking all about the process of moving to Portugal because Jennifer lives in Portugal now and she's moved from North Carolina about 15 months ago, as well as some of her favorite things to do and attractions around the country. So I will see you guys in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode, but don't forget there's way more where that came from. When you become a supporter of the show, you'll get bonus episodes, additional tips on affording travel, real-time updates, as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams. Head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Danielle Desir. Slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.